Well, welcome everyone. This is Jim Conley, Executive Marketing Manager for McGraw-Hill Higher Education here in Anatomy and Physiology. Uh, we're very pleased today to have a conversation with Stuart Fox. He's the lead author on the Fox Human Physiology brand. Stuart, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun here today, and what we're going to do is we're going to have a quick conversation with you about some of your background, and then you have a new edition that's published here in January or will be here shortly. Um, so let's kind of go from the top. How long, when you taught human physiology, how long have you been teaching in terms of your past? Well, <laughs> uh, I started, <clears throat> I was hired to teach human physiology at Los Angeles City College in 1972. <laughs> oh, that's I, awesome. I, I don't want to do the math, but just uh <laughs> it's, yeah, that's it's right. awesome. started, started when you were two. I, that's exactly right. That's great. So in terms of teaching in general, what is the thing that excites you the most? Well, <clears throat> I really love the subject of physiology and what excites me about teaching the most is seeing students get some of that interest and really love of the subject. So when I see that in the expressions and the questions of students, that really is exciting that uh, they catch some of that spark and, uh, and see the, the excitement and, and, and just the inherent beauty of the subject matter. Well stated, and, and when I think about the beauty of the subject matter, immediately I think about the awesome covers that you guys have had for the years, you know, the Westwood illustrations and how that really depicts the essence of physiology, and uh, just well stated, it's a beautiful subject matter, isn't it? Absolutely is. It absolutely is, and sometimes that gets lost in the, uh, in the work required to uh, to take a course, to uh, show up for lectures, to show up for labs, to study, and so on. But we don't want that, the beauty of the subject matter to ever get buried. It needs to, uh, and, and students need to see, I think, that the, uh, the instructor also is uh, interested and hopefully in love with the subject matter so that uh, uh, they can keep their motivation going and and uh, and see the the uh, the not only the necessity for them to to learn the subject but uh, but the the intrinsic beauty like i said of of the subject uh, will keep them going long after the uh, the external motivations of the course are gone. Right, and that's, I think, the big challenge we have in general is we're all so busy, and yet we have wonderful things around us, whether it be the physiology that we're talking about or just some scenery or events around us. We can miss them just because of the fast pace of all of our lives. So I'm glad you brought that up about the physiology because it's just certainly so true. Oh, exactly. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. Yeah. So with your teaching philosophy, in terms of like a quick sentence about what your philosophy was as an educator. <laughs> well, I don't know <clears throat> if I elevate it to the level of philosophy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's my attitude that all students who, who take 
my physiology course or open the physiology textbook have the capacity to learn the material. So it's my job to present it in a way that they can learn it, given uh, sufficient motivation to do the necessary, uh, uh, put in the necessary effort on their part. But uh, I, <clears throat> my philosophy, if you can call it that, is that all the students who take the course, who study physiology, have the capacity to, to learn that material and it's on me to present it in a way that they can learn it. That's awesome. Now, in terms of textbook writing, how did you get involved? <laughs> well, that's a bit of a long story that I love to tell. Um, <clears throat> back when I was hired at Los Angeles City College, the chair of my department, Robert Lyon, had written a physiology lab manual about 25 years earlier. <clears throat> and he was chair of the department and hadn't uh, been involved in the teaching of physiology for many years. Uh, so when he hired me, he let me know that if I had any desire to keep the job, that uh, it was my responsibility to revise the physiology laboratory. So I, uh, I wrote up all new physiology exercises and uh, copied them. It was mimeograph in those days and uh, had huge stacks of mimeographed handouts. And after a couple of years of doing that, I uh, followed in his footsteps and uh, put them together and wrote them up as a laboratory manual, which got published. And uh, after, uh, <clears throat> I, think, I think it was by the second edition of the laboratory manual, the editor asked me if I'd be interested in writing a textbook. And at the time, <clears throat> I did not believe that there was a textbook out there that would be suitable for my students. And so I had a very definite idea of what needed to be in a textbook that my students could use. Uh, and that was my motivation, and I'd always loved uh, writing. I, I, I enjoyed the process of writing. So it was uh, uh, not too hard for me to, uh, to start the project, although it was quite daunting. Uh, but uh, like I said, I didn't believe there was a suitable textbook available for my students, and that was my motivation to, uh, to write one. That, that my students could use to help them learn the subject matter. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, over the years, you've authored a, a lot of <laughs> successful um, ventures, human physiology, you had the anatomy and physiology book, um, really cool things. Now, you do have a new edition coming out here in January. So if I were to ask you what your favorite feature in the new edition would be, what would you say it is? <laughs> <clears throat> Well, that's a bit of a tough one because I like so much about it. But <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to say. But I, I think the most strikingly new feature when you open the book is the new art program. And oh, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's eye-popping. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm very thrilled about that. I got a chance to look at each particular piece of art and see how it could be improved. And uh, 
uh, I was given the the freedom to do that. So uh, it was really thrilling to be able to have that freedom to revise uh, any piece of art in any way that I thought uh, in any way that I thought could be improved. And uh, I think users will of the textbook will immediately like uh, see that and appreciate it. Uh, of course, I'm always very proud, frankly, of, of the uh, revisions to the text that make it uh, keep it current and, uh, and even more readable and accessible to the students who use the textbook. Yeah, I know it's hard to pin it down to one thing, and we're also just really excited about all the changes that you and the rest of your team have made to the art program, and, and it'll really bode well, I think, not only for the impact on the student side, but you know, when people are lecturing, that'll be something that they'll certainly see a big difference in the visuals you know, related to the PowerPoints and different things like that. So we're just really excited about that, too. Now, shifting gears a little bit, I know relevance can be something that's often a good way to, to really bring students in the fold differently. So when you look at clinical investigations and clinical applications, what would you say their significance are in your brand? Well, it's, it's a fact that most of the students <clears throat> who take human physiology courses uh, are pre-health majors. They, they want to enter health careers. That's the reason that by far the majority of students are in uh, these courses uh, in one, way, uh, one health career or another. And so putting uh, clinical applications into the textbook is a natural way to stimulate their interest. Uh, physiology is one of the major foundations of medicine. And in fact, when they give out Nobel Prizes, the Nobel Prize is titled Physiology or Medicine. It's considered one category. So if students understand the, the tie-in, they're going to naturally be more motivated to uh, do the effort required to learn this material and to do well, excel in this material, and, uh, and to understand it rather than simply to memorize it. And so the, the primary uh, objective of the clinical tie-ins, the clinical applications, the clinical investigations with the clinical investigation clues, is to show students the great importance of this material in, for their futures. Uh, again, to stoke motivation, to uh, uh, encourage students to put the effort required to actually understand human physiology because that understanding will be fundamental to their performance uh, in, their, in their careers, that, uh, the health careers that they choose. Awesome. Now, with the exercise applications, that's another way that you really appeal to not only students are going into the medical field, but just in general, how does exercise impact physiology and vice versa? Well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, the, we do get students, many students, who are physical education majors, kinesiology majors, and so there is that direct uh, career tie-in for them. 
But the thing about exercise, it's important for everybody, all students, whether they go into uh, the career that they think they want to go into or not, uh, to understand the importance of exercise in health and the, the, uh, the physiological basis for that correlation. You know, uh, research is continually showing how exercise impacts health in ways that were not previously appreciated. And uh, anytime I can show the physiological basis for uh, a health application for exercise, that's something that I do want to do, not only for their motivation in terms of a career, but just for their life, their future lives, to, to see the importance of uh, good nutrition and proper exercise and their overall health and uh, well-being through the course of their lives. Yeah, I love that. And so, Stuart, let's shift gears. I have really three questions left for you, and I'm going to give you one that uh, maybe is out of left field, but I thought it was very interesting as you were talking. I was thinking about just physiology in general. If you were to talk about one topic in physiology that either has just always been really difficult to explain or just maybe is unexplainable, what would that topic be? <laughs> well, I don't think there is any topic that's unexplainable. Some are more difficult than others. And the difficulty is uh, because there's different layers of knowledge required to get to a certain point. And, uh, you know, the, the way to do that is to start at the basics. And so uh, in the textbook, the, uh, the textbook does provide, uh, it, it assumes no prior or very little prior knowledge, but it does provide the basic chemistry, uh, biology, and anatomy <clears throat> that is required to understand any particular, just about any particular physiology uh, topic, certainly the ones that are in the textbook. And so if it's broken down and, uh, and begun at the beginning, uh, then I, I don't believe there's any topic that's unexplainable. But as I said, some are more difficult than others because there's more layers to, the, uh, to them. Uh, particular topics that come to mind would be almost any topic related to biochemistry. So cell metabolism certainly is one that requires some step-by-step instructions. Uh, and then from cell metabolism, you graduate to endocrine regulation of metabolism. So, of course, you can't discuss that until they understand something about cell metabolism. And they can't understand that until they understand something about the uh, uh, biochemical molecules involved in that. So <clears throat> that could be a difficult topic, but if it's taken in a step-by-step -step way, then, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's my philosophy that every student in the course, every student who opens the book, has the capacity to understand any topic that's in that book and any topic presented in the course. 
So uh, uh, I don't know if you're asking me for particular topics that are challenging to teach. Uh, you know, any instructor can name them. Like I said, endocrine regulation of metabolism because you have these different layers. Uh, another one might be, uh, uh, say, the uh, cardiovascular adaptations to exercise because there's a number of elements involved in that. And so you have to take each element in turn and break it down into understandable bites before putting those bits together, I'm kind of mix, mixing bites and bits, but uh, before putting those together into a story. And uh, what we want the, to get the student to be able to do is tell the story. But before telling the story, we have to be sure that they understand the individual components of the story. But once they do, they can, with a little effort, put them together and tell the story of, say, endocrine regulation of metabolism or cardiovascular adaptations to exercise, respiratory uh, changes during exercise or uh, respiratory adaptations to high altitude. And these, there are many topics, like I said, any instructor can name them and have their, their favorites or least favorites. Uh, to share, but uh, you know, like I said, it's my my philosophy and and the book's philosophy that, uh, given the individual understanding of the individual parts, the student can put these parts together to form a, uh, a comprehensive whole, uh, and, and and tell the story of how the body works and in its individual aspects. And it's amazing to me, you know, on the marketing side, you know, that's the, the profession that I have. And you hear all the marketing professionals these days are talking about, it's all about storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. And when you think about it, telling a good story really has so many components of the physiology. And like you just mentioned, you've got your characters, and then you've got to really figure out what are they doing, what are they not doing, and then how does that get regulated. I mean, just a really good overlay and I love the way you explain that, where we really want the students to be able to tell the story, but to do so, they've got to be able to break it down and then build it back up. Yes. And, and, and then restate it. And then yeah. even predict, too, I would imagine. Absolutely. That would be the last stage of it. If they understand the story, they can predict what's going to happen if, <laughs> if you perturb right. some aspect of the story. Uh, and that's exactly right. That, that's the level of understanding that all instructors want their students to be able to, to obtain. Uh, and yeah. I, I wanted to mention also, that's the philosophy behind the artwork, too. You know, even though I, I endeavored to uh, make the, each piece of art be uh, as, as uh, eye-catching as possible, as attractive as possible, uh, they're still, they still maintain the, the basic philosophy I have regarding the art pieces, and that is that each one is designed to help students understand a particular concept. So rather than being, hopefully, overwhelming, uh, uh, rather than being super uh, complex 
and gorgeous, you know, gorgeous in, in their in their execution, but very complex. Rather than being a lure designed to catch fishermen rather than fish, uh, each artwork is designed to uh, be understandable to the students so that they can put those pieces together to form the story. Boy, and, and I love that, especially when you look at process figures and different things like that, that you know, you're talking about moving parts and different aspects that you know, they really need to read about and understand. And then later in the digital, they have to demonstrate that they can actually put them together. Just a really fun perspective you know, when you look at the artwork and then just the physiology. Yes. So thanks for uh, doing it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun, and 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 that's so important that that the fun aspect of it doesn't get lost. And I think that's something that the the instructor can add to the classroom. Uh, like I said, and loving the subject, being excited by it helps to keep the fun aspect of it. And I hope that's also it. It also shines through in the textbook. That's great, and I hope I didn't steal the thunder for, I was going to ask you, I have two final questions for you today, Stuart. Um, one is, what advice would you give a brand new instructor today that was going into the field of teaching human physiology? Well, a couple of things, I think. Uh, one is to uh, allow your enthusiasm to shine through your love of the subject to shine through. But while doing that, don't rush the students. Uh, stop frequently, ask questions, be sure the class is with you. Uh, it's so easy, especially these days when the technology of teaching is so advanced and it's so easy to present material quickly. Uh, it's easy to go too fast. And uh, I think it's important that uh, there is somewhat of the Socratic method in a classroom where there, the students, the professor asks questions, the students answer them. It uh, not only is good for the students to, to help uh, get a, uh, a better concept of the material, but it does slow things down a bit to allow the students to, to grasp the, uh, the material. It's easy, it's easy to uh, <clears throat> get lost in the story if you haven't learned the parts of the story. And so uh, I think it's important for the instructor to be super enthusiastic, but then pause and uh, make sure that the students are, are getting not only the enthusiasm, but also the facts. Uh, like I said, it's too easy uh, for a beginning instructor especially to, uh, to glide through because it is such an exciting story and a, a exciting subject to, to glide a little too fast. And, uh, you know, we, it doesn't help the students if they feel, if they feel like they've le been left behind. So uh, any way we can to, to uh, make the, the uh, education more individualized, the better, I believe. Yeah, and I could see where that would be a really significant rub 
where you have all this content you want to cover in a semester, you're all excited, but then you have to keep that always in perspective with the fact that you know, your students are coming into this maybe for the first time. You might have a mix of freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, depending on who it is, uh, whether it's university or community college, coming into the course, and in a lot of cases it's mixed. So you exactly. have to have a, a level of patience with it too. Which exactly. Is the, uh, it's kind that's of like exactly. the tight wire. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jim. I've never had a course that where all students were at the same level. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'd be utopia, right? That's a utopia. It's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, last question for you, Stuart. Um, and this is a big one. It's somewhat philosophical. But if you could change one thing about science education, what would it be? Well, actually, uh, I think that ties into just what we were talking about. Uh, if I could change anything, it would be to somehow get more individual pacing uh, to accommodate the diversity of interests and abilities of, of the students. Uh, and I think that can be done with technology and is being done with technology today. I think we're moving more in that direction. Uh, you know, so that every student can uh, not feel left behind, but can catch the excitement and the love of the subject matter and be able to tell the stories and predict the what-ifs, uh, given an understanding of the stories, and be able to use this material to in their own individual lives and in their careers. Uh, so that would be ideal, and I think we are moving in that direction with some of the uh, technology that's uh, becoming available. Yeah, that's the fun thing about our world today. You know, there are a lot of challenges out there, and I think as a society, and I'm guilty of this a lot too, where we focus on the challenge or maybe what's not working, but if you look at what you just outlined, there's so many moves in the right direction that way where I think we're headed in the right direction, generally speaking. Of course, it could improve in certain areas, but um, I think that's just our appetite for it to be more progressive or quicker. But I think certainly, you know, allowing for the diversity of thought and all those things, you know, we're just a lot better off today than we have been even 10 years ago and beyond. Yes, yeah. yeah, so our students differ in their scientific backgrounds, their math abilities, their interests, and so on. Uh, but they, students with these differing backgrounds and abilities all uh, want to, not all, but a number of them want to go into the same particular health profession. And so, and they're capable of doing that. Uh, as long as, long as uh, the materials presented to them in a way that they can uh, uh, grasp and in a way that uh, they can understand at their own pace. And sometimes, the, very often, the pace will increase as the students uh, get the hang of the course. Uh, as the students gain more background uh, in the course of a, a, a semester. And so uh, more individualized learning processes can then uh, uh, accommodate for these changed uh, paces. And, uh, you know, I, I, 
I believe that's what the, we're heading towards in the technology and in terms of the classroom and the textbook, you know, the textbook and the classroom can accommodate that uh, by having the material there. So a student getting to the textbook, uh, the student who needs to review some basic biology, basic biochemistry, basic cell physiology, can go to uh, an earlier part of the book and read it and, and review it. Somebody who already knows that and remembers it doesn't have to do that and can uh, just go ahead and, and perhaps go towards more uh, analytical thinking uh, quicker. But uh, all the students have the material there at their disposal if they have the the uh, desire and, and want to expend the effort to do that. So we can accommodate that uh, in, in older technology too, in the print textbook, and uh, also in the classroom through uh, uh, an instructor being able to, uh, to be more uh, flex, as flexible as possible given the uh, objectives of the course and the constraints of time, which we all have to labor under. Yeah, and that's where I, we talked about this earlier, you and I were, how the technology is really advanced so that that individualized piece um, married with the excellent things that you're doing on the Fox brand, taking those two and putting them together really is where we hit that sweet spot for moving this along not only quicker, but in a more robust way so you can get up to the Bloom's level three and higher, you know, for a lot of the, the cognition pieces. You know, for students to really understand that better, but then just the, the gains and the ability to do this differently or faster are greater today than they really ever have been. I agree. I think that's, that's well stated. I think that's true. And certainly there are challenges with that, but, uh, you know, that's our job, I guess, in the new world is to figure those things out and take the gains where we have them and just go from there. <laughs> I agree. Well, Stuart, I really appreciate. I know uh, we're kind of we're kind of running hot on time today, but I really appreciate you spending that with us today. Um, it's been a pleasure having you here on the podcast, Succeed in A and P. We look forward to having you on for future episodes. I know maybe in one of the next ones that we do, maybe we'll have you on the episode with uh, your new uh, digital co-author, Krista Rumpalski. I think that'd be kind of a fun discussion, just to really talk more specifically about how. You know, the print side is really uh, married with the digital side and how that really comes through in big opportunities. Um, but that'll be kind of fun. We'll do that here moving forward. And uh, just want to wish you a happy holiday season. And uh, thank you for being here on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Jim, and happy holidays to you. You bet. And uh, for all of our listeners, thank you guys for listening today. We appreciate your listening to the Succeed in AMP podcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to email me. You all know the email address by now. And I hope that you all have a great holiday season, and we'll talk to you soon here on the Succeed in AMP. Mm -hmm.